Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. As usual, please go share us. I haven't spotted you sharing us yet. I know you're listening, but I've not spotted you sharing us. So come on, on your Facebook, on your Twitter, whatever. Just give us a couple. How long will that take? While you're listening, copy and paste the link and just, just go have a listen to this. That would be wonderful. Thank you very much. And if you're new to the box set, welcome to the podcast that recommends TV box sets, talks about all things related to TV and film box sets. So season three, episode eight now, and uh, another summer box set. It's gonna, it's, I think it's going to be a, a, a small dry spell in terms of guests while everybody's on holiday at the moment. Um, but it's been quite fun. I've enjoyed the last few, and we've been having your emails. Thank you. Just a reminder that our favourite email at the end of this season will be winning the uh, Entourage entire season box set. Uh, maybe even um, if you don't want that, you can tell us which box set you'd like us to buy you, and maybe we'll buy you it. That's not a promise. <laughs> what? That's a maybe, all right? That's a maybe. I'm not doing um, so thank you to Daniel, who says he's been a regular for some while but hasn't emailed yet. He's been watching every episode of Fringe over the winter and listening to review podcasts from the past, which was a little strange, but enjoyed it a lot. So whilst waiting for my normal TV shows to finish, I'm a binge watcher and now prolific After Buzz podcast listener. I found your podcast. He's, he listens to stuff after he's watched it. Oh. See, that's the thing. That's the fundamental flaw with this podcast is I think people want to talk about stuff that you you've watched but we have a policy no spoilers yeah and that's that also thank you to ben for sending us an email um there's been a whole article written about the fourth episode of um uh, true detective season two which everyone's been critical of including jamie on this box set yeah pod um the true detective season four apparently has got a big shootout in it or something and season this art- two. two sorry um and has got this uh, big article about how episode four has got it and we've had a rule on the box set pod that you've got a watch four episodes before you get into something so that perhaps proves it the fourth one tell you what else the fourth track on a music album is often the best as well really yeah man i'm telling you every album have a look at your favorite albums the fourth track is always the best i feel like you've just made that fact up and it's not true name one of your favorite albums um uh the uh, radiohead's um uh, OK Computer. You would pick Radiohead, the one band that's going to not conform. The, oh, fourth, yeah. the fourth track on that is Exit Music from a film, the single from Romeo and Juliet. It's a good one. It's not my favourite. <clears throat> but it's not quite often the single, though. Give me another one. Um, what about Lionel Richie's Greatest Hits Back to Front? That's a Greatest Hits album. <laughs> Give me... I'll, all right, Lionel Richie, Back to Front not making this easy um all night long track four That's eat the, my dust uh, easy's the best song right? let's try ben folds five's first album uh ben folds five it's called 
And the fourth track is Where's Summer Be? The best song on that album. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No. It's amazing. Uh, let's no. try. Best song is Video on that song. No. To the day silly. when we live in a video. I'm stolen. Anyway. Point is, four is the magic number. Three has been lying for years. Uh, box set news? Box set news. Let's just begin, first of all, with Martin Scorsese. Uh, his latest TV project is called Vinyl. Uh, it's about the music industry in the 1970s. It's generated a hell of a lot of buzz, mainly because Mick Jagger is uh, involved as a producer and as, of course, a voice from that era. Uh, mm. And they've released a teaser titbit trailer. There's also been a new trailer released uh, in, in the last few uh, days, I think, and it's very interesting. It's just a nice little tease of what the show's going to look like and what it's going to be about. Weirdly enough, uh, the show has got Ray Romano from Everybody Loves Raymond in it. <laughs> I can't really? imagine him in a Martin Scorsese TV project, <laughs> oh, but, uh, hi! It's Ray! Oh! That's what he sounds like okay. if you've not yeah. uh, experienced mm-hmm. it, but he's in it, and that teaser looks very enticing. <laughs> Finals out next year. So, I also want to mention Brian Cranston. He's been producing a new TV show that has just come out on Amazon Prime. I've not seen it yet. It's called Sneaky Peaked. Uh, Brian Cranston also stars in a couple of episodes, I think. He's doing a cameo appearance in it. It was originally meant to be on CBS, but CBS didn't like the show, so it then got picked up by Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, a character played by Giovanni Ribisi, who you might remember as the slimy boss in the uh, Avatar film. You know that uh, guy? No, I don't remember Avatar. You don't remember the film I Avatar? It, but I don't remember anything about it. Blue than, People, Howell. I see you. Yeah, I remember I the see Blue you. People. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's how it's about a, a, a former a former prisoner who uh, takes the identity of a cellmate he used to live with because he's trying to hide from people. It looks good. It's very enticing. It's very funny looking. Uh, I do want to mention as well Westworld. If you've not seen the film Westworld, Michael Crichton's film from 1973, it's a very good film. It's about a theme park, Howell, where robots are controlling it, mm-hmm. but you can live out your fantasy. So if you want to be a cowboy living in a cowboy world with cowboy yeah. women and cowboy other men. Yeah. You can do that in a robot world. Uh, this is this has been made into a TV show. HBO have released a teaser trailer for it. The cast for Westworld looks incredible. Anthony Hopkins, James Marsden, Evan Rachel Wood, Jeffrey Wright, Ed Harris. It looks like it's going to be a stonker, and I really like the trailer for that. In other news as well, Jerry, Jerry Bruckheimer, who's a, obviously mm. the Uber producer. We're talking about I everything from Top. Top Gun to the Pat's Cabin. Yeah, he's done it all. He's working on a new project, a fil- a TV version of the film Training Day, uh, directed by Antoine Fuqua, <laughs> and uh, he's involved in it as well. There'll be no Denzel for obvious reasons. Have you seen Training Day? How? Yes, what a it. great film! Yeah, yeah, stunning performance, Oscar-winning performance from Denzel as Alonzo Harris, the detective. Uh, but this story is going to be set 15 years later. Right. So I'm not sure whether Ethan Hawke will make an appearance, but 15 years on. And this is news that I thought you'd love, Howell. You're yeah. going to be fascinated by yeah, this. Yeah. Prison Break is coming back. What? Yes. Now, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> right, there was four seasons of Prison Break, and at the end of the fourth season, I know what happened. I think you yes, told me. Yes, I do, yes. You told me, didn't you? Yes. Anyway, the original cast members, Wentworth Miller, the, the yeah. lead, the protagonist, and uh, the other guy, Dominic Purcell, who plays his brother, yeah. are both returning as well. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, how they are going to explain their yeah, return yeah, yeah, yeah. to the show no is spoilers. fascinating. I, they don't, I don't even know how they'll do it. But I knew that it was possible when yeah. I watched it. Yeah. 
Well, uh, mainly because, like I said in the past, in Prison Break, the opposite has happened of whatever they imply has happened. Right. So if somebody says at the beginning of a scene, looks like we're home and dry. We're not home and dry. You're definitely not home yeah. and dry. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, uh, wow, that's so exciting. When's that coming? It'll be out next year. They're going to start filming in September, so not long off. But uh, That's whopping news. What's interesting is uh, Fox as a network, because yeah. Fox are the one who've commissioned Prison Breaks Return, are, are, are on like a nostalgia fest at the moment. They brought back X-Files Returns in yeah, January. Yeah. 24 is returning. Now Prison Break. It's the quickest route to the easy money. You need a star's mm. name, and if you can get a famous other thing, Baywatch is coming back on movie. Yeah. You know. It's 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 easy money. Um, I mean, look at Fantastic Four. Not easy money. It's bombed. Um, but it's the third. Is it reboot of that? I think. Yeah. Amazing. But I mean, apparently that was and very failed troubled. every time. A very troubled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it just shows you that also something has to be good. It doesn't. It doesn't just because it's that's big right. doesn't mean it's good. That's uh, right. It has to actually be good, and that's why the Avengers films we might not all like them, but they are actually very good. Uh, Don't forget, email whole. us to win that box set. Uh, on the subjects that we talk about, Pam has emailed catching up on the box set pods. Um, she's covering off a few areas. Uh, one question we asked was, I have never. Um, what is the thing that you've never watched? To, to email us, studio at the box set pod.com. Uh, Pam says, on the subject of I have never, until Skyfall, I'd never seen a Bond film all the way through. I'd wow. seen many bits over the years at Christmas, etc., but never been drawn in at all. I saw Skyfall at the cinema with my family and loved it. Yeah, I feel that way about Bond. Mm. Um, and recently, um, a British TV channel, ITV, was were replaying all of them, and I recorded most of them. And I did, I paid half attention, even when I'd recorded them all. What um, was the day Moonraker was on the other day, I it? think, on um, ITV Three or something like that. And you know, it isn't a great film. A slightly older box set that I would love to recommend to everyone says Pam, and would probably take to space with me. That's another question. What box set would you take to space if you could only take three? What would you take? Studio at the box at pod.com. Pam says it would be um, uh, thingamabob. Uh, she she said Tombstone on here by accident, but she means Deadwood. Oh, yeah. Deadwood. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't watched Deadwood. Deadwood. I've got you, it, Howard. You I loved it. Lend it, it me. It's lend it me. brilliant. Only three seasons for some stupid reason. Pam but says, superb. fabulously written, great acting, and yeah. very bingeable. Yes. Breaking Bad would have to be there in the rocket ship as well. And I am still undecided about the third, though the entire Muppets back catalogue would keep me going pretty well. Mm, yeah. Keep podding, says Pam. Um, and Daniel's email earlier that I mentioned that he'd been, uh, he likes film review stuff, gave us an idea, right? And it's about what happens when the critics get it wrong. Yes. What happens when the critics get it wrong? And, of course, Rotten Tomatoes is a website that's got reviews and they're split into good reviews and bad reviews. So, Jamie, tell me one of your favourite films ever. Uh, well, the, the, my top three includes um, Shawshank Redemption. Let's go Shawshank Redemption. Okay, you ready okay. to hear some reviews of Shawshank Redemption? Yes. This was released in 2005, this review. They're, they're all around the time that it was released, this, okay? Um, although Shawshank was earlier than that, wasn't it? No, it was 1994. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, Jake Yuka from, the, from Wichita, KS, Kansas, says, well, just a six-word review... Why are these men in jail? <laughs> that, <laughs> that, is, that is his review. What do you mean by the... That's the whole... That's the premise of the film. Just, just what? telling you Jake's opinion. Oh, there. my God, Walter Chaw from Film Freak Central yeah. says... Uh, it's another five-word review. Drawn in straight, brutal lines. 
That's his review. Well, what's wrong with that? I mean, what's... Uh, oh, can I just say, I think these, these things are highlights on Roundabouts. There is a full review as well that I could click on. Um, Ed Gonzalez wins for me from Slant Magazine. He says... Shawshank Redemption is beaches for straight men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so ludicrous. Be- beaches is not a scratch on. All right, well, answer this. On answer this um, val- valid criticism. The Shawshank Redemption continually abandons plausibility in order to celebrate the triumph of hope over despair, of decency over cruelty, of justice over injustice. Right. Uh, no, it it paints a false picture of the world where good wins out over evil. That is what right. Leonard Schwartz seems First to be saying all, from the Palo Alto that's Weekly. That's not altogether wrong, but the, the, even the director, Frank Darabont, said it's a tall tale. That's what it is. That's what mm. the original Stephen King short story was. It's a tall tale. It's an, it's an aspirational story in a way that good can win out and what's wrong with a good can win out over evil story who wants to hear this is the thing about reality TV in the modern world it's like and this is what I don't get about the same criticisms levelled at Disney a lot you know the dream factory kind of thing who wants to see something that is real life who who said real people were interested and real stories you wouldn't come in here and tell us a story uh, you know Louis um, is in the room Uh, morning Louis Uh, afternoon Louis what's the most uh, exciting thing that happened to you this weekend or tell me tell me about something that's happened to you over the last couple of weeks uh, well, this weekend I staged a birthday uh, surprise for some friends that are coming back after four and a half months of travelling. Great. Filmed it, yeah. and uh, my friend st- stepped out from the tree and stood right in front of my camera. <laughs> While you were filming the surprise. Now, Got some see, legs on show, that's it. What Louis hasn't told us about there is what he was doing at, say, four minutes past three yesterday afternoon, because that's not as interesting as the dramatic story, which in this case has got a comic turn to it but you you tell stories and like the quote that we've got on the box set pod.com walt disney in saving mr banks says what we as entertainers do is restore order through storytelling something like that so he's saying the bad things in life well we change them we we restore the things we we make better the things that went wrong by telling stories, and that makes us feel better. That's why storytelling is so useful. I mean, useful. there's nothing wrong with the, the odd, gritty, realistic... There's so sa- much wrong with no, the odd, I, gritty, I, well, realistic no, no, thing. No, because like, you've got to have, you've got to have <laughs> light and shade. There's nothing wrong with something <laughs> ending know. with a dark ending. I've got nothing against that whatsoever, but... You don't what, have Shawshank, to have but You don't have to have that. You don't have to have the happy ending either. No, you, know? you don't. Uh, Shawshank gives you... Uh, I think after two and a half hours, you deserve a nice, redemptive ending. And it wouldn't be called Shawshank Redemption if it wasn't a nice ending. No. Called Shawshank... <laughs> Thanks. Well, something similar. Mark that, dude. <laughs> oh. Right, try another review. Let's try a box set, shall we? Okay. Let's try Dexter. Okay, right. Dex. Let's have a look. I'm a big fan of Dexter. Now, Dexter scores 60% on Ron. That's actually Mark. quite low. That is quite low. That is quite low. So, critics scores, uh, critics reviews for Dexter. Here we go. This is from uh, Deborah Yeo from the Toronto Star. First, the good news. Dexter... (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to start a review. I love a smug start. First, the good news. First, the good news. Dexter didn't conclude its eighth and final season with a crude... 
A credulity staining happy ending. The bad news is that the ending we did get didn't make a lot of sense. Well, but it did make sense, the ending of Dexter. I don't know what you're talking about. What didn't make sense about it? I mean, I don't explain it, but it so, made sense. It, was an excellent, it oh. makes total sense to what he was saying. Give me another bad review, Al. He harms people. That's what he came to terms with, and therefore he took himself out of the way. Um, Dexter is gone. Put down after eight seasons, three of which were too many, by masters (laughs) that finally realised that old age wasn't doing this wheezy arthritic dog any favours. I don't completely disagree with that. Jeff (laughs) Jensen. That is disgraceful. You know what I want to do? I want to do like an untouchable box set, though. Like what Sopranos has got would be fascinating. Let's find out what. what, Oh, that would be an interesting. Sopranos. Will that even be on um, Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, yeah. Well, Dexter was, so it should be. <coughs> okay, yes, we've got the Sopranos. Okay, give me a, give me a really bad review. Sopranos. It scores ninety one percent. So that, that's, that, that's deservedly. Good. Yeah. Okay, yeah. find a bad review of Sopranos. Oh, It'll be hard. You think that's oh, a, only it's got, not easy. We've only got audience views on the Sopranos. There aren't any critic reviews on there. Oh, really? There. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's try more. Reach. Oh, you know, no, you know what we need to find. You, you went to watch the new Pixar movie, didn't you? Oh, yeah, Inside Out. What was the name of the woman? <sighs> I can't even remember her name. There's a reviewer for the Culture magazine in the Times newspaper on the Sunday, and she absolutely slated the new Pixar film Inside Out. It was the mo- It made me so angry, and I'm not somebody who's like this, but I almost considered trolling her. That's how <laughs> bad it was. I wanted to find her on Twitter and deliver abuse to her because she made me so furious her review was so cynical so smug oh it was horrendous how anybody could you must have no pleasure in your life if you can review inside out and just find it to be a horrible film i think we should hand over to louis louis i watched it on friday and because you told me that you cried you went twice and you cried halfway through the entire thing i cried both times yeah yeah really <laughs> emotional thought well, you're gonna cry right now sunshine. well let's see how Louis responds to this. Camilla Long's review. That's the one, Camilla Long. Published on the 26th of July in the excellent Sunday Times magazine, Culture. Okay. Pixar invades the brain of an 11-year-old for Inside Out with uneven results. While the cliched South Paw never sits, hits home. That's uh, another one. Um, I tried to control my own hatred as an unpleasant green slice of broccoli pizza, for example, incites the ardour of disgust, a malevolent green sprite voiced by Mindy Kaling. Disgust is one of Riley's favourite five emotions. Let's... Oh, this is one of... Because it's a newspaper, it's like... You've got to buy it. You've got to subscribe to get the thing. Um, Inside Out is more or less Hollywood's answer to the Beano comic strip, The Numbskulls, in which urgent little men run around people's minds, controlling taste and smell. The emotions inside Riley, an ice hockey-obsessed schoolgirl who moves from Minnesota to San Francisco, are only fractionally more sophisticated. She just hates everything. The people, the girls at school, the dogs, even the pizza. Blur. And so begins another animated ode to spoilt Western children. Yeah. But she does. She's just an eleven-year-old girl that doesn't like broccoli. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's as That's the that, point, isn't, isn't it? it? It's, it's about it's about irrational emotions. It's not about it's not about the. She's not supposed to be suffering. What but does she's she want? eleven. Life is irrational. Well, exactly. Yeah. 
It's like, what is that, that that awful line she uses about spoiled Western children? She's just a kid. She's not spoiled. She's, tra- she's basically trying to say, oh, first world problems. Oh, you, shouldn't, you, you shouldn't have any problems of, unless you're living in, you know, poverty. You know, you don't yeah. have any problems in your yeah. life. I mean, what a lot of absolute trite. It's not about that at all. It's about, I mean, ultimately the film is about what happens when you... Well, what do you think it's about, Louis? You I cried. Just a, yeah, I cried, but it was just it turned into an adventure. But it was just, it was interesting just to see. Uh, what I th- I thought it was a pretty good little insight into I, an eleven year old's brain. I watched it. Just an eleven year old. I watched it. Everyone's brain. I watched it, and I instantly knew why Louis cried. Right, <laughs> because this story is essentially about the loss of joy, and Louis has had that to, is it. Louis has it? had to work with us for the last year. Right, <laughs> turned up like Bambi, full of joy, and then we dragged him down into the mire, and that fight between trying to keep things positive and the world <laughs> making you negative is tragic. That is about growing up. But That's you know, what it's like it's to grow up. It's also about accepting that you wrote, it's okay to feel sad yeah. and it's okay to feel jealous so Did you learn, Louis, that it's, it's all right to be miserable? Because if you give respect to the misery, you can then be honest about it. You can come to me and Jamie and you can cry and you can say, I feel let down by the world. And we'll say, that's all right, Louis. I think uh, once or twice I have done. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, yeah, you have you have broken a couple of times. We've seen him break. What the time with the XLR leads? Yeah, XLR leads. Story. Well, we were plugging in a microphone, and he was basically he was going the longest way round, something possible, and then he tried to plug something in. He tried to push a square peg into a wrong hole, and I just said something like, "Louis, do you want to calm down for a minute? Do you just just slow down for a minute or something?" And it was that was it. That was the straw that broke. I can't remember what you said. Yeah, you snapped. Out, Let me read another stinking review. <laughs> I don't need to calm down, Howell. Here's <laughs> another stinking review of Inside Out for you. Um, unfortunately, uh, Inside Out is stunning. Unfortunately, what is stunning is not the film itself, but the perceptual phenomenon surrounding it. Pixar's animation's previous toyka, troika of Cars 2, Brave and Monsters University were so abysmally disappointed that by comparison, the simple mediocrity of Inside Out has fooled critics and audiences into believing that they were seeing a brilliant return to form. Oh! oh. You know what Pixar have done? I think Louis and Jamie may agree or may not with this. What Pixar have done with this film is they've made a film that should be compulsory for every child and every adult to watch. Everyone should watch this film. It, I think everybody will watch this and have a better life as a result of understanding how different emotions can pull you in different directions. Do you hear that? Better life. And, it, and it's, I, I'll, I'll tell you my, what my criticism of it is. Sometimes it feels a little bit like a theatre and education piece. What they've taken is an incredibly complex um, understanding of, of humour, of, of psychology, and they've tried to boil them down into characters. And therefore, sometimes when people stop talking and you just get a moment, like when they're ice skating, when you get moments of no speech and just visual, it's a really well moment and it's beautiful and they could have done with more of that and slightly less heavy metaphors but that said even the metaphors that they've got like at one point they knock over two boxes one's called facts and one's called opinions and they say oh those two things get mixed up too much and for me the odd moment like that is like okay it's quite we don't necessarily need that we could lose some of that and save it for the sequel or whatever but Actually, what they've done is working with the university, I think. They they have really have achieved something that is 
phenomenally useful to the human race. I mean, it actually like, and that those five emotions are agreed by (laughs) are agreed at university by psychologists overall that they're the five emotions that we all are born with Mm. or instinctively have from birth, and that's why when she's born, the first thing she gets is joy comes into the into her brain, doesn't it? And it's it's beautifully done. It's so it's so moving, and you're right. Everybody should watch it. It's a great way of understanding your own head. Totally. Totally. Let's did you cry at the end? I didn't, he cry, didn't cry. Louis. I did. This is another so good question. I want to know actually. when you started crying because uh, one thing was when I watched Up, everyone had said I came to Up quite late, and everyone said you'll cry your eyes out in the first ten minutes. And because everyone had said it, I didn't. Because you told me I'd cry a lot in in thingy. I think I was a bit analytical. Right. But the the moment it got me, like, and it wasn't just moist eyes. And it wasn't uncontrollable crying, but I noticed everyone in the theatre had that crying where the tears run down the face. And I've only ever seen that in films. You know, tears actually rolling down the cheeks, which comes from a different place. I've had films that have traumatically affected me and reminded me of traumatic things in my life. And I've been like a wreck. And then I've had stuff that gets me to well up. But this was, I looked to Sarah next to me and there's tears rolling down her face. And every person in the theatre that I could see was doing the same. They were wiping it off the cheek. And it was the moment actually when, I I don't want to ruin anything, but there's a key moment where finally... There's an embrace, and you know it was earlier than that. I, I bet I know it was. Was it? Was it? Uh, was it with the imaginary friend? Yeah, all? yeah. So that oh was moment God. one and oh moment two, and you're absolutely. It is the rolling down. It's yeah. gentle yeah. coming to head of emotion, isn't it? Yeah. And it is that last bit. You know, you'll know it if you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, this is the box set pod, and we have hardly talked about box sets, right? But uh, we can we can put Pixar into a box set. There's loads of Pixar box sets. We can put Shawshank Redemption into prison-related things. I'm not making excuses. Um, go and watch Inside Out. If you haven't seen it, just go to the cinema and watch this thing, because I think it's... Or what stuff has just made you cry? Just tell us, you That's know, good. emails, let us know, TV shows, and what episodes. What episodes have really made you cry of stuff? And what sort of crying as well? Yeah, slobbing. Stu- email studio. Snot cries. Studio at theboxsetpod.com. Um, and we should do more of this movie review stuff, shouldn't we? Let's just end with one more. Let's 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 yeah. ask Louis. Louis, what's your favourite movie ever? Let's destroy Here it for go. you. By <laughs> let's, let's make him cry. Um, try and pick a fault in The Impossible, because I okay. thought that was flawless. Oh, the they told that oh. story. Now, Very The Impossible good. is a movie about the um, tsunami that stars mm. Ewan McGregor and Naomi Watts and Tom Holland, and it is really a, like... I talk about crying. This was one of those traumatic ones. Like, it really seriously affected me, this one. So, um, I've got some reviews. Okay. Okay, here we go. Come on, please give me critic reviews. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, my God. (laughs) David Denby of The New Yorker says, Alas, the movie tells a rather commonplace story. Commonplace? What? Commonplace story. There's nothing commonplace about a tsunami. Christopher Runyon from Movie Mezzanine says, what's meant to be a triumphant true story about succeeding under impossible odds ends up feeling more like a lifetime TV movie, which I think it means a TV movie, obviously. It's like a a bad TV movie. (coughs) Spanish direct, this is from Al Alexandria, the Patriot Ledger. Spanish director Juan Antonio 
Bayona exploits an international tragedy to tell a syrupy story about a wealthy white family dealing with adversary, adversity whilst completely ignoring the thousands of others who suffered as much or worse. God. There was a lot of reviews about that, and we spoke to Helen O'Hara about the time, that, that there was some inherent racism in it, that why are you telling a white Western story? When in, and as well, the, the, the original family was Spanish, so they weren't English speakers. But I, in those things, when people say what what isn't there, it always really frustrates me because I go, well, it's like um, in radio when you have snoops, which was in this room we've all experienced many times. It's so easy to say what isn't there, but part of me wants to go, a lot of effort went into making this thing. Would you rather it not be there or would you rather it be there? If you want, if you think that film needs to be made, then campaign to make that film. Go and make that film. But actually, I don't think it was harsh on the other people around them, but you can, you need to zone in on one person's story, and they did that, and it was a phenomenal story. Has hmm. that depressed you? Louis going to cry. No, I think, yeah. Uh, Louis crying. <laughs> Check this out for Jaws. Uh, even Jaws gets uh, abuse from critics. This was from a guy from Los Angeles yeah. Times. He says, It's a coarse-grained and exploitative work which depends on excess for its impact. It's a bore, awkwardly staged and lumpily written. What's that? That's about Jaws. That's <laughs> about the film Jaws, everybody. Oh, my God! Charles Camplin, you are a chump, sir. Yeah, hey. No, no, he deserves Charles it. is entitled to his opinion. No, he doesn't. Howell. I would like to agree with Charles and say thank you, Charles. You stink, Charles. How dare you say that? critical world. Anyways. Well, there we go. We should do more of that. Do you agree? Yeah, if you want to send us the name of your favourite things, we will find the worst reviews and then debate them. Uh, email us on any of the topics we've talked about. Studio at the box at pod.com. And we always email back as well, mostly. Uh, I think we do. Um, I don't think we've missed anybody. So pop us an email. Thank you. Thank you. See you next week.